Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Joined now by Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. Uh, the alphabet, I call it the alphabet soup to a degree, uh, with the UNC Charlotte, USV, UNC Asheville, UNC Greensboro. So the alphabet soup continues tonight. We've had San Diego State, San Jose State. So, Kevin, what kind of matchup should we expect tonight from uh, UNC, better known as Greensboro? Well, you know, let's not forget the other Dakota. We had North and South Dakota ah. State. Oh, I do <laughs> not want to slide them. Thank you. I slided we, them. We could probably use the whole alphabet to <laughs> – Look, I, you know, uh, I think it's just another one of these games where Arkansas is matching up against a mid-major that's got, you know, a veteran lineup. You're talking six seniors, a junior, and a sophomore in the top rotation. But I think this is a, a team that's really going to try to hold down the tempo. It's only averaging 66 points a game, uh, one of the lowest-scoring teams in NCAA, uh, right around 40% from the field overall, just a smidge over 30% from three. So they're – this is not a good offensive team. And then defensively, this team holds teams also in the 60s. So four and five, It's just, it, this is going to be one of those tempo games. Uh, if, if the pace is held down, I, I think Arkansas can obviously play that way. We've seen it. We saw what Arkansas did in the second half, scoring 53 points uh, on Saturday against uh, yeah, to San Jose State. So we know Arkansas can, can obviously step on the gas pedal and, and – play a faster pace game as well. I just think when you have the talent, the depth, and all the versatility Arkansas has in its lineup, there's not a style that it, it can't succeed in. Uh, but I do look for Greensboro to try to really grind the pace down, keep the score as low as possible. We'll see if Arkansas is able to dictate that or not. And, and even if they don't, I still think I'd advantage Arkansas. I think Arkansas, you know, will be another double-figure win at home. You know, we've seen some that are more blowout, some that are, you know, in the 10 to 20-point cushion, which, you know, you can debate whether that's a blowout or not. And I tend to think if the score is low, then, it, you know, it may be one of those 10, 11, 12, 15-point wins, which will take to get to 8-1. And the other thing about this game is, you, you, you know, you don't think Eric Musselman's going to let his team look beyond anybody. But there is that Oklahoma game in Tulsa on Saturday, uh, which will be a revenge game for Arkansas. Most of these Razorbacks were not on the team last year. A couple were. Uh, but you always wonder, you know, that, uh, you know, are they, is the team looking ahead? It's December. Uh, finals are coming up. Is there, are there any distractions? So, barring distractions in Greensboro, just completely finding a way to control Arkansas, I think the Razorbacks should get to 8 and 1 after tonight's game. Wouldn't you think that Arkansas, with its talent, should be able to set the tempo rather than UNC Greensboro? Well, you would think so. You've seen teams really – I mean, Troy had really good success with its zone defense. Uh, it expanded that zone when it wanted to, you know, pick up three-quarters quarter, full court, and then it fall, fall back into it when Arkansas crossed half court. But it slowed Arkansas's possessions down. Uh, that became a one-on-one game. Last week, Arkansas, even though it scored 40 first-half points, it still had some troubles dealing with the zone and how exactly to attack it. Uh, so even when you have talent, sometimes a team can – 
find your weaknesses and dare you to shoot. I think that's one of the smartest things Arkansas did last week. It, it didn't fall to the temptation to take open threes just because the zone sometimes was giving that. Arkansas shot 61%, but I think part of the value in that efficiency was that Arkansas only took 13 threes. The rest of it they attacked, which is the strength, and sometimes you got to have that good ball move, and I think Arkansas was really close to 200 passes. So to answer your question, Rick, I think they can dictate tempo. It just depends on how they – you know, how successful they are early moving that ball, getting into the creases, and in the, in, if there's a zone defense. If this team tries to man up with Arkansas, which it might be able to do, the one thing is this team's got some size inside. It's not a traditional rim-protecting team, only two blocks a game, but it's decent on the glass. That's the one thing it's fairly good at. Both teams average between 35 and 36 rebounds. So when you just look at statistically, it seems about even there. Of course, matchups can, you know, actual playing a team and how you match up with them can change some of that, but, you know, Arkansas doesn't have a Jalen Williams that's going to walk onto the court this year and get 10 rebounds every game. You know, Brazil leads the team around six and a half. That ranks 11th in the SEC. It's been kind of rebound by committee. Uh, but we'll see how effective this team is on the glass. It, can it get Arkansas, keep Arkansas on a low percentage shoot, you know, field goal percentage-wise, and then and keep it at a, at a grinding pace? Um, but, you know, with Nick Smith back, you've got one more weapon in that backcourt, and he's a little bit different in how he goes about his business than guys like Anthony Black and Ricky Council and Devo Davis. But you've got, with the four of those backcourt players, I think it's arguably the best backcourt in, in all of college basketball. We, we saw what they were able to do in the second half against San Jose State, and I just think that, you know, the, the idea now is to keep the foot on the gas and try to have another breakaway game like that. You mentioned, Kevin, uh, 13 three-point shots in that game. They shot, I think, 11 in another game last week. Even with Nick Smith back, isn't that a pretty good number for Arkansas when you consider inside the arc? They're, they're shooting anywhere from 52 to 60%, depending on the opponent. And if you can get a high-percentage shot, it's better than a low-percentage three. I, I, I agree. It's a game that's moving more and more towards five-out basketball, spacing the floor, getting three shots up or getting to the basket. But, but you've seen Ricky Council in mid-range. Nick Smith Jr. is going to show us mid-range pull-up. He's got floaters. He's got runners. Anthony Black is a, is a guy when he scores, he's mostly getting to the basket. And then you've got your big men who are effective around the basket. So I think for Arkansas, that's the strength of the team. You know, I don't want to leave out that Greensboro has been a team that has plus one uh, through the season on forcing turnovers. That's another area where this team is decent at doing. So Arkansas needs to continue to be patient, not settle for threes, not try to force things that aren't there because Arkansas is turnover prone. Sometimes the you know, the the unforced turnovers shooting themselves in the foot, as Mussman says. Uh, but, I, but I think Arkansas should continue to attack the basket and not settle for threes. Even if a guy's having a hot night, even though Nick Smith Jr. is probably going to be a volume three-point shot taker, that doesn't mean everybody else needs to start hoisting them um and he's a guy that can make him above and below the break he doesn't have a spot on the floor where you can game plan to take away he's good above and below the break shooting three he's good inside the arc he's good getting to the rim he's a special player and i think guys like ricky council and anthony black have proven they're also special again this to me this backcourt i don't want to get ahead of myself i don't want to overstate it i think it's arguably the best in college basketball could prove to be that by the end of the season Let's talk to Jeremy. Jeremy, good afternoon. Welcome to Drive Time Sports. Hello, fellas. I, I know we're talking about basketball, and boy, I love me some Hogs basketball. But fresh off the 
Presses, ESPN, Barry Odom, is set yep. to yep, become MLB next head coach. Just saw that. Yep. Yep. So, uh, again, I I think for Sam Pittman, there's some uh, sadness there because he and Odom are such good friends. But I think mm-hmm. it'll also give Sam a chance to bring in a coordinator with some fresh ideas that will eventually be beneficial, don't you? I, I do, for one thing. I, I thought the biggest change that I saw, you know, watching about every game was when, you know, the biggest move was getting him down on the field. It seems like that defense yeah. really improved when he yeah. gets down on the field level instead of sitting up there in the box. Yeah, so, I agree. You know, it's kind of kind of interesting to see where this is going to go. Do you think there's anybody on staff right now? You know, one of his, you know, position coaches that could fulfill that role, or do you think he goes outside the program to get somebody else in? I think he'll go outside. What do you think, Randy? No, oh, I agree. I, yeah. I think they'll go outside. I don't see yeah. the experience amongst the defense's coaches that would warrant moving up to the top spot, but. I think the question is going to be right now, obviously, who's going to be the D.C., acting D.C. for the bowl game because right. life goes on. So you've got to come up with uh, someone who can uh, – I, I can't see them bringing in even the eventual – I can't see uh, Coach Pittman bringing in the eventual successor and expecting him to settle in uh, in this short period of time to, to direct the defense. So – uh, it's got to come, I think, within the staff. We'll have to see. Now, do you think uh, maybe he'll throw a headset on Bumper Pool or maybe, uh, you know, have Grant Morgan <laughs> call, some, uh, call some plays for a game? No. No. <laughs> I don't <Dang>. think so. <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. Well, pleasure talking to you all again. See you later. Bye. All right. Thank you. thank you, Jeremy. Yeah, I didn't want to interrupt Kevin, but just saw that. So Odom is the new head coach at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So they must have more money than Tulsa. You know, you it think is. about it, you you think about it, guys. When uh, when a coordinator's making almost two million a year, when you talk about the mid majors, there's some mid majors that for the head coach it's a it's a stretch to pay him two million a year. So well, yeah, the exception is Liberty. I mean, the Liberty oh, was yeah, paying right. almost yeah. five million dollars a year to yeah. Uh, Hugh yeah. Freeze. So yeah, that's that is extremely rare when you get into the three plus million dollar type of range. Uh, let's talk with uh, Bill. Bill, good afternoon. I guess Bill's questions were answered somewhere along the way. Must have been. Uh, Savage wants to know. Ask Kevin. Uh, ask Scoop. Scoop. What keeps Graham off the court earlier? Because he's really been good when in the game. Well, I mean, there have been stretches of games where, you know, when I was at Texas for the exhibition game, and he really struggled. They were uh, early in one of the three games. I'm trying to remember which one, but I, it might have been Fordham. I, I'm not sure. But one of those games, he, he didn't get back in transition defense multiple times, and he took some bad shots. Uh, it doesn't take many consecutive possessions to not do what's expected for most men to look somewhere else. And, and the other part of that is, I mean, players have a different learning curve. When you've got that many newcomers, some players may take a little longer to play it, to fully play up to expectations. It's not always about production. Are they set and fixed? Are they a good team? Are there other things going on? And how are other guys at your position 
you know, stepping up and maybe they're doing a few more things than you are, or at least in the coaches' eyes, even whether or not that's a reality. So Muffman has a good feel for these things, but he doesn't ever just dispose of folks. He's got them, he knows when to push buttons and... All right, Kevin, hang on. we got to hit the break. Hang on. Drive Time Sports will continue in a moment. Let's check back in with Kevin McPherson, better known as Hoop Scoop, courtesy of Hogville.net. You know, Kevin, I I think of this. You, the coaches are always talking about the three seasons. You got the preseason, then you got the regular season, then you got the postseason. I think this is is um, preseason two, and the reason why I think it's preseason two. You played, what, six games without Nick Smith, Jr. Then you played six minutes with Nick Smith, Jr. Then you played about 20 minutes with Nick Smith, Jr. Is the roles? I, I see I see now it's like, uh, to a degree, Coach Musselman is kind of starting over again because what he may have envisioned back in June and July before the knee injury he had to scrap that and come up with a rotation. I mean, you can't, I don't think you can, move Ricky Council uh, to the sixth-man role. I think Trevin Brazil has that role right now um, with Nick Smith, Jr. So my question, my point is, is this kind of like a, a restart of the season because now you're back to trying to identify roles where everybody fits in with the exception that you played six games. So there were some roles defined during those six games. Well, yeah, I think any time you bring someone out, bring someone in who missed basically November, and this is the National High School Player of the Year, he's projected to be an All-American by some. I mean, he's got a lot of preseason accolades. So so you're not you're, – you're in a different kind of work a guy into the rotation situation. I mean, Nick Smith Jr. is a starter. He did start the last game. Very productive. And I think he had more than one thing going on. He had Devo miss a game, and he comes back. He's going from the starting lineup to playing off the bench. So he's going to come off the, the you know, um, off the bench with Trevor in Brazil most nights. There may be times uh, Mussman tweaks that. Heck, he might change things up again tonight. We, we won't know until we see it. Uh, but I do think you're right about Ricky Council. Uh, to me, this guy, um, he, he, you know, you want him on the court. Uh, for as many minutes as you can get him, you certainly want him in that starting lineup. I feel the same way about Anthony Black and obviously Nick Smith Jr. I think Makai Mitchell's been good starting games for Arkansas. He's been a good first-half player consistently. Not always second half, but first half. Uh, Kamani Johnson's been a guy there that seems to do well playing off the bench. So as a head coach, you got to work through all of that. So does it become – because I think of the – because of that European exhibition tour, I think it actually helped this team deal with things now because they all got to play together back then, which helped Musselman get to where he is now. So, yes, yes and no. I think you go six games without Nick, obviously there are going to be some rotation changes. There's going to be lineup changes. There's going to be minutes changes. But at the same time, other guys who might not have gotten opportunities with Nick in the lineup have, have gotten some experience under their belt in some big games. I mean, it's not like they just played a bunch of mid-majors at home like they normally do through November. They went and played in the Maui Invitational where they played two ranked teams. So I think I think it's actually a benefit. I don't think it's much of a of a tough course correction for Melsman as, as it is all the experiences. Europe and, and what they went through in November without Nick, I think all of it actually helped him 
this may actually be simpler, is what I'm trying to say, than it than maybe normally would be. Yeah, I mean, uh, you you know, through fire, you know what what you have got basically, and uh, yeah. uh, you've seen in action what whether it be Mikhail or whoever it may be, you know, J- Jalen Graham we brought up a moment ago, uh, a caller or otherwise, uh, Savage did uh, yeah. about his role. I mean, this guy can score, and. I think the one thing that was kind of hinted last week that Musselman wanted to reward Graham, that was because of his work ethic during practice and his effort, and he felt like he had to be rewarded. We know sometimes you got to learn how to practice. Sometimes you got to learn, you know, what what is expected, what's the routine. And uh, for whatever reason, Jalen Graham either A, didn't catch on in the beginning or it just simply slow. And, and getting to the flow of things. But, I mean, Kevin, is this not really what you're asking for, a, a high-volume score that you could bring off the bench and, and, and get instant offense? Absolutely. But Mossman's got a spoil of riches up there. This was a second-team Pac-12 performer right. last year at Arizona yeah. State, and, and now he's your 10th man, effectively. Um, and, you know, he's been up and down in practice. He's had other times where he's surged, gotten opportunities, and then he's kind of slid back. Um, so he, it's going to be about consistency with him and other mm-hmm. guys, too. The other guys are going to continue to, to bring it. And that's what you love about that competition in practice uh, because now guys are – if they're not putting their best foot forward, they're not going to play. If they want to play, they will. And, it's, and if they continue to make strides, now you've got all kinds of available options. Musselman keeps us – I mean, really, they're going to be games this year where we're going to see five guys play the just heavy minutes in certain games. But he can change who those five are. He can figure it out 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in. Maybe it's an adjustment at halftime. So even though he'll never, I don't believe, truly expand a, a, a typical rotation beyond you know seven at the most, he can interchange who goes in there. And we've seen him do it in midseason. But I think he's got more talent and options – and a versatility of matchup options than he's ever had at Arkansas, which means game to game, he can push those buttons. And it won't necessarily be as much of a midseason change that he sticks with, but it could be game to game because he's got so many options. And that's what's fascinating is you don't know who's going to strike. I think what's other, what else is fascinating is the is the length of these guys. Uh, I think it was last year. In the uh, in the notes they would have game notes. There was one page that was dedicated to nothing more than the wingspan, both uh, vertical and horizontally, and it was amazing. And this group is even bigger, much bigger than last year's group. So I'm anxious to see yeah. if they have something like that again this year, just to get a feel for what the the real reach, if you will, is of this team because they've got some length. Yeah, in fact, if you remember, sometime in the preseason they put published it or they put it out from the, the uh, university basket, men's basketball department that the average height and wingspan uh, of this team was, was just slightly greater in both categories than the average NBA team. So, I mean, that I think that speaks pretty plainly to, to how wow. long, tall, and, and then you throw in the athleticism and skill and talent. Still, I'll say it again. It looks like the final four roster doesn't mean they're going to go that far, but they've got the makings for it. 
All right, Kevin, we will talk with you later on the week. That is Kevin McPherson, better known as Poop Scoop, courtesy of hogville.net.